Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading we heard in the Gospel of Matthew. You may be seated. We begin with the word of prayer. Almighty Father, on this Sunday we are filled with great joy for the promises that you have given us in Jesus Christ. But Lord, as these promises do give us joy, we confess to you today that there are times where we struggle in this world where we have doubts and uncertainties. We pray, O oh Lord, today that you would fill us with hope and confidence even in the midst of our struggle. And to this end, grant us your Holy Spirit that the word of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever doubted God? Have you ever doubted your faith? If so, and I would venture to guess many of us have done this, what did you do with those doubts? Did you, did you keep them to yourself? Did you, did you bottle them up inside? Did you try and pretend like they weren't there? Or did you take them to somebody? Did you, did you take your doubts with you to church? Or did you feel like church was a place where you could not express your doubts? That you were worried about what would happen if you did say that you had questions or doubts? Far too often in the church, people come and, and they bring their doubts and they are reproved for this. They are given the impossible command, then they are told, don't doubt, just believe. Ironically, for me anyways, that's the sort of phrase that seems to have the opposite impact. Whenever somebody comes along and says, don't ask questions, just trust me, I start asking a lot of questions, you know? Just trust us, we're in charge, just trust the science, just trust the powers that be, just trust the church. All right. But why? All the questions begin to arise. Why can't I question you? But I do think that there is a tendency in the church to shoot down questions, to encourage blind belief, and at its worst, to encourage thoughtless obedience. Doubts and questions are discouraged because they are often viewed as a threat to the faith. But such a dismissal of questions and doubts is a very dangerous thing to do. And, and, it, and it's very harmful, actually, to people's faith. I was just reading this past week about a, a guy who does a bunch of studies. His name is uh, Dave Kinneman, or Dan Kinneman. I should look up his name here. Oh, yeah, David Kinneman. He works for the Barna Group, and they do a bunch of surveys of churches and all of this. And, and he found this about people with their doubts and questions. He said that people between the, years, between the ages of 18 and 29 years old with a Christian background, 50% of them said they cannot ask their most pressing questions at church. And 10% said that they agreed with this statement. Now, 10% is a small number, but I, I would still say rather significant. 10% agreed with the statement, I am not allowed to talk about my doubts in church. And I have to wonder why. Why are people worried about bringing up their doubts in church? And perhaps it's because they don't want to, you know, upset the pastor. They don't want to upset their family. They don't want to look weak. They don't want to look like they're wrong or that they don't understand. They, they look around church and they see people who they think are so filled with faith and they wish they could look like that. But something holds them back, but they're afraid to show it. Sometimes I think people fear asking questions because they just don't want to be shot down again. They are told to just have blind faith, and their questions are dismissed and not taken very seriously. So why bring it up at all? 
Sometimes I think people are afraid to ask questions because they're afraid of the answer. They might not like what they hear. Sometimes we don't ask questions because the questions are really hard and we don't know what to do with them. We're afraid of where they might go. I just think of a few of these questions that, that come up rather often or should at least come up in our heads, I think. If God is good and loving, we'll ask, why doesn't he stop horrible tragedies? Why do we still have things like wars or school shootings? If God says that feeling like this as the way I feel is a sin, why doesn't he take that feeling away when I ask him to do it? How could a good God allow me to deal with cancer? If God is real, why can't I see him? If Jesus conquered death, why are we still dying? Can we really trust this God? Or should we go out and look for another? These are questions that people are wrestling with all the time. And far too often in the church, we're prone to dismiss them. Now, don't get me wrong. We should never come to the point where we start to say things like uh, that, that doubt and questions are a virtue unto themselves. Doubt for the sake of doubt is nothing more than cynicism. And questions are asked with the goal of finding an answer, and at least not finding an answer, at least gaining some sort of clarity with the things we are wrestling with. But, nonetheless, we should never shoot down questions, especially within the church. Questions are not a sign of unbelief. Questioning the goodness of God in this sin show of a world happens. It happens a lot. It actually makes a lot of sense. I recently heard uh, one of my favorite theologians speaking about faith and doubt, and he said this, and I thought this was very insightful, faith and unbelief always go hand in hand. Now, now there's a lot to unpack with that sentence there, and we're not going to be able to get into the depths of all of it there this morning. But what I think he meant is something like this. The more you take your faith seriously, the more you dive deeper into the Word of God, the more you, you start to, to, to recognize who God is, the more you're going to find a lot of questions arising. You're really going to start to wrestle a whole lot more. What's more, the more you start to uh, trust in Christ, you're going to find that the devil turns on you. And he's going to assail your conscience with all kinds of doubts and with all kinds of fears. Our questions and doubts therefore, arise the more we grow in the faith. And so they should be taken seriously. And church should be the place where we can bring these, not so that we can be told, just believe, just have blind faith, but where we as the people of God can collectively wrestle with God and with His word of love and mercy in a world where we experience, at times, what seems like His absence and what can seem like His callousness towards our situation. I think that's where we actually find Bob, uh, uh, Bob, Bob the Baptist today. That's not my name. Um, that's where we find John the I'm a Lutheran. John the Baptist today uh, as he's sitting in prison. John is wrestling with God. Now, we were introduced to John last week. We always are in the season of Advent. This is the season we focus in on his, his preaching and his ministry. And last week we heard him preaching a message of the coming Messiah that was full of a great deal of, 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 of judgment and wrath. This was the message John was preaching. He said, this one who is to come will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. 
and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. John was getting everybody ready for a judgment day, for fire from heaven and the wrath of the Messiah falling upon all of his enemies. So he is understandably surprised when, when Jesus shows up to be baptized with the very people he should be judging. Nonetheless, John probably thinks to himself, well, okay, well, maybe my job here is to, to anoint this guy, to, to anoint him as the king, the savior, the Messiah, the judge. Here he has come to put an end to all evil, to restore the righteous, to do away with injustice. So if that's what John is thinking, you can understand today why while he's sitting in prison, he's a little confused. If this guy was supposed to come and, and remove injustice, why am I suffering an injustice, John could think. Underneath an unjust king, sitting there by himself behind the bars of a prison cell, alone with his thoughts, John is filled with doubts and uncertainty about this Jesus. He's heard all these wonderful things about what Jesus is going to do. He's heard all of these sort of glorious, mighty, powerful things that the Messiah will bring, and he's preached about them. And now he doesn't hear of any of that stuff happening. He hears of Jesus acting a little bit differently, and he's surprised. So he asks the question, but what I want you to notice about John's question today is just not just the question he asks, but who he asks the question to. And here's the sign of faith in the midst of our doubt. John takes his doubt directly to the source. He goes right to Jesus. He sends his disciples to Jesus and they say, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Now notice here what Jesus does. This is the key for us this morning. Notice how Jesus handles John's question. First, notice what he doesn't do. He doesn't look at John and say, how dare you question the Son of God? He doesn't turn to him and say, where is your faith? You know, maybe I picked the wrong guy to be my voice in the wilderness. Maybe I've chosen the wrong person. Maybe I need someone with a little bit thicker skin here, John. He doesn't turn the question back on him at all. He doesn't silence John. He doesn't tell him to keep his doubts to himself. But he does two just incredibly gracious things here with this question. The first thing he does is he responds with a word of hope from the Scriptures. He turns John back to the Word of God. And then he speaks a word of blessing over John. Or we might say he gives John a promise. First, this is what he says. He gets the disciples of John there and then he says this to them. All right, go tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended by me. Now, if you were paying attention this morning to the psalm and to the reading from Isaiah, bonus points for you, because what you'll notice here is that Jesus is saying all the stuff you read about in Psalm 146, all the stuff we saw in Isaiah 30, that's what I'm doing. So you go back and you tell John, I am fulfilling the words of the prophets. It's as though Jesus is saying this. John, I am certainly the one the prophets saw coming. I am doing the work prophesied by bringing hope to this creation. But it's not exactly as you think it's going to go down. It's not going down the way you think it's going to. 
The day of judgment will come, John. You are not wrong. But first comes my work of mercy. I will come to judge the living and the dead. But first, I come to bring forgiveness, life, and salvation to prepare them for the day of judgment. Before bringing the judgment of God, I must suffer the judgment of God, even enter into death on the cross to prepare my people for my return. Notice what Jesus does. He takes John and he fixes his eyes back on the work of God in the Scriptures to give us hope. And I think this is very much what Jesus would say to you and I today in our questionings and our doubts. Look to the Scriptures and see what God has done. Especially if your doubts are of the nature where you say, why all the suffering? Why the difficulty? Why am I going through all this? Does God not care about my suffering or my pain? Look back to what Christ has done for you. Far from ignoring our sufferings and the evils of this world, He has entered into them, taking them to the cross, bearing on His shoulders all that is sinful, evil, and harmful, to have it judged and condemned in His own person. And then see what He does to offset it by rising from the dead, declaring that sin's days are numbered and He has conquered all that is evil and false. And when He comes again, everything will be restored and made right. Now, why the delay between the first and second coming? I don't know. And by the way, that's a pretty good answer to have when it comes to a lot of these questions. I don't know. I don't always know what God is doing. But blessed are you, along with John, when that delay of His return only serves to draw you closer to Christ with your faith and your obedience, but also your doubts, with your lamentation. Now all this talk of Judgment Day will oftentimes raise more questions for us. It'll cause us uh, to be a little more uncomfortable for other reasons. When we start to think about the Day of Judgment, we start to think about where we stand on that day. And, and some might be even prone to think this, if I'm suffering now, how do I know I will not suffer then? How can a doubting and struggling person have any hope before a righteous God? Well, here again, we want to see the second thing Jesus does with John today. John comes with these sort of questions. John comes before Jesus with his doubts. But Jesus responds to John's doubt with a promise, with a blessing. Listen to how John, uh, Jesus describes John. What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing. Behold, uh, a man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. And more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. The one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. See what Jesus did there for John? Jesus does there for us to see. He gives us a preview of Judgment Day. There in, in that blessing, Jesus gives us a preview of what John will receive on Judgment Day. He tells us the final verdict about John, that this suffering, questioning man so full of doubt and uncertainty is something stronger than his doubts and uncertainty. He has a promise from God. John might doubt Jesus at times. But Jesus has no doubt about who John is because Christ himself named him. 
He says, this is more than a prophet. This is the prophet who prepared my way, says Jesus. He is the greatest man ever born of women. Jesus says, when I come to judge the living and the dead, John's questions may not all be answered exactly like he wants, but he will be overwhelmed and satisfied by the promises of Christ that have been fulfilled for him. So you see that this is what Jesus comes to, with, comes to you with today. You come to Jesus with your doubts. You come to Jesus with your fears. You come to Jesus with your uncertainty. And he responds with a certain and sure promise. You may doubt Jesus. But Jesus has no doubt about you. For he says, I named you. I have called you my own in the waters of baptism. I know the numbers of hairs on your heads. And I know your fears and your doubts. What's more, says Jesus, I know your sins and the judgment they deserve. I know the judgment your sins deserve more deeply and more profoundly than you ever will because I took the judgment for you already. So that you are forgiven and you stand righteous before God. You may doubt who I am, says Jesus, but you can have no doubt about this. You are a sinner that I have saved by my grace. So you dear saints, Bring your questions and your doubts to Jesus. Today, hear his promise. Right now you see through a glass dimly, but then you shall know, even as you are fully known by Christ. And he who forgives all of your sins will make all things new. And you will know him face to face forever. Amen. We pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the forgiveness and mercy that you have for us, that even in our doubting, O Lord, you are gracious Lord, we pray that you would help us to manage our doubts. Give us the answers we need to hear, and Lord, where we do not need the answers, give us faith. The Lord, in all things, teach us to trust in you, according to your unfailing love. Amen. We heard the word.